Welcome to the Sheer Law Group's podcast of Truth Serum. Law, real estate, and everything else that matters. Sheer Law Group represents lenders, landlords, and investors throughout the state of California, with offices in the San Francisco Bay Area and Orange County, California. Laws change daily. Economic trends change faster than at any time in history. Ignorance is not bliss, and the unwary and unprepared get punished if they fail to keep up. If you want insightful information on issues of interest to the real estate lender, landlord, or investor, you've come to the right place. Add on some colorful commentary on everything else that matters, and you're now ready for Truth Serum with your host, Spencer Shear. Truth Serum wants to thank Hartwood House for becoming a sponsor of the Truth Serum podcast. Hartwood House is a world-class medical detoxification facility that's located in Marin County, California. Alcohol or drug addiction doesn't have to destroy your life or the ones you love. There is hope. For more information about Hartwood House, go to www.heartwooddetox.com. That's www.heartwooddetox.com. Hartwood House where addiction meets compassion and recovery. I can't think of a time I've ever seen this country so divided on political ideological and religious lines. In my limited lifetime, the years surrounding the war in Vietnam were probably the most polarizing social times I've ever seen. And even then, the faith or at least basic support of the underlying institutions, while severely tested, didn't break. Perhaps you have to go back to the Civil War to find a time period in this country as tumultuous as today. Back then, over 700,000 Americans had to die in order to hold this country together. Clearly, the results of the pandemic, and in my opinion, the death of George Floyd, poured gasoline on the fire of division, fear, and discontent that was already raging in this country before 2020. Many view the upcoming 2022 midterm elections as a referendum on the direction of this nation and an opportunity for the people to make their voices heard on critical issues that will likely decide the future of this country. The views of right and left on issues like the economy, gun control, crime, individual liberties, parental rights, and border control couldn't be further apart. This provides an opportunity for Americans to clearly examine the differences and to make their voices known. Join True Serum for a three-part series on the elections. First, we'll examine the issue of election integrity and if the current process is free and fair. Then, we'll examine the differences between right and left on key critical issues in play in the midterm elections. And finally, I'll go across the country to hear what the voters of this country consider the single biggest issue of concern to them and what they want done about it. Don't miss a minute of this fascinating series. But first, the news. In news that should be of interest to every lender, borrower, and foreclosure trustee in the state of California, SB 1323 has been proposed and is now in the California State Assembly for review and possible changes. If passed in its current form, 
it would create a second non-judicial foreclosure procedure for covered residential properties, which could include non-borrower-owned properties and tenant-occupied properties. In essence, for every covered residential foreclosure where the owner has more than 10% equity, the foreclosure trustee would have to hire a realtor to market and sell the property through MLS and review and accept the best offers. The trustee would need to keep reducing the price of the property if it doesn't sell. A little background, this legislation resulted in part from testimony before the legislature of an elderly borrower who lost her home that was worth almost a million dollars at a foreclosure sale, and the debt that was being foreclosed was only $51,000. Sounds like injustice, but the proposed cure may be far worse than the problem. While there certainly are cases like I just cited where a, a helpless or a hapless borrower loses home equity because they don't understand the process, the reverse is far more common. Most borrowers are alert and aware and they use both the time allotted under the non-judicial foreclosure process to refinance or sell the property or to take legal action to stall or stop the process, like filing bankruptcy. Passing this type of legislation would have devastating impacts on lender, borrower, and trustee rights and create great uncertainty. Think about it. Determining the validity of liens on the property for purposes of determining what equity is in the property or getting access to the property to conduct an appraisal or providing assurances to any buyer regarding the condition of the property and the likely creation of fiduciary obligations between the trustee, realtor, borrower, and owner are only some of the problems that are likely to arise. If this bill is passed in its current form, it will likely make loans more expensive and will increase the amount of the down payment required to get a loan. It will also likely lead to a dramatic increase in judicial foreclosures, which will clog the court system. Lender and trustee advocates throughout the state are fighting this bill, and they're seeking to at least make it viable through changes. If you're interested in opposing the bill, contact the United Trustee Association, which is spearheading opposition. Stay tuned. Election integrity and the perception that elections are free and fair is a critical component of any functioning democracy. This should be a valid concern to everyone, whether you're on the right, the left, or in the middle. Despite the efforts of the left and the right to characterize election integrity concerns as conspiracy theories or improper challenges or just sour grapes, both left and right have and continue to have increasingly raised challenges to the legitimacy of the election process. Many of us remember the challenge by Democrats to the Bush-Gore presidential election, where the Democrats raised the claim that the admission of hanging Chad ballots in Florida was improper and it had to be resolved by the Supreme Court. Or you may remember Hillary Clinton claiming that Russian interference tainted the 2016 election. And most recently, Donald Trump asserting that the 2020 election was compromised and influenced by fraud due to relaxed voting standards. So clearly, the integrity of the electoral process is a concern to every American, right or left. Join me as I interview attorney, entrepreneur, and business owner John Graves. John's a nationally recognized expert on election integrity issues and is the CEO of AMillionVoices.org, an association that encourages people across the nation to make their voices and concerns known. John and I will discuss concerns raised by the right and the left about the election process, if there's hope for free and fair midterm elections, and what individual citizens like me and you can do to make sure it happens. Q 
Truth Serum wants to thank Iron Oak Home Loans for becoming a sponsor of the Truth Serum podcast. Iron Oak is a full-service portfolio private money lender, and it's a servicing company. It's located in San Ramon, California, helping its investors to achieve maximum return by investing primarily in California real estate. For borrowers, not all borrowers have AAA credit, and sometimes you need a lender who understands and who can get you a loan when you need it most. Iron Oak can help. Great service and great people. If you want more information, go to www.ironoak1.com. That's www.ironoak1.com. Or call Rich at 925-803-2465. Or call Christy Mathers at 925-281-2809. All right, John Graves, you're a businessman and an attorney. You received your business degree from the University of Texas and your law degree from Texas Tech. You own data, software, and digital media companies. You're married and you have five children. Recently, you focused your energy on achieving cultural transformation across racial, ethnic, and, and religious lines through the electoral process. You've created a nationwide tool for every voter in America to contact their state representatives on issues that they care about. You serve as CEO for millionvoices.org, which is an association that encourages people across the nation to make their voices and concerns known. You've been a guest on many national news shows and media. Welcome, John Grace. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Let me ask you a question just to start things off. There's a lot of general concerns regarding the integrity of elections in the United States, both on the right and the left. Uh, yes. Everyone generally acknowledges that there's some level of corruption in elections. Dead people vote. <laughs> Some people may vote twice. Yes. Over the last two national elections, both the left, I think, via claims of voter suppression and That's the right, right via claims that the removal of verification standards has allowed massive fraud. Right. They both raised concerns that the electoral process has been corrupted on levels never seen before. Is this a valid yeah. concern to you? It absolutely is. I think, you know, we're right, right now, as we record this, the Golden State Warriors uh, and the Boston Celtics are in the finals, the NBA. And what would you think if one of those two teams uh, got to pick the officiating crew from their fan base or from their staff? Uh, you, you want what we all want is um, unjust scales, the, the biblical perspective on it, but everyone should want a fair election and everyone should want a secure election. Well, you know, Kamala Harris, uh, and for sure, Hillary Clinton all the way up till 2019 was saying that there was fraud in 2016 software could be hacked. Russia hacked in and interfered. It wasn't a legitimate election. And so there's a certain, you know, fraction of the Democrat party and led by the leaders of it, that these aren't secure and fair elections. Well, then you've got Donald Trump in 2020 saying the same thing. We don't have elections where the winner doesn't think they won. We have elections where the losers in both political parties don't believe we have fair and secure elections. Well, that's terrible. That is absolutely terrible. You should have elections where you say, hey, we fought a hard-fought battle in the championship or in the election or whatever, but we lost the game. But it was a fair game. It wasn't that the referees were paid or that there were unfair rules or unjust scales. It's that we just 
you know, the economy was bad or other factors, or I didn't do a good job as a candidate. Uh, but that's not where we have ourselves on both sides of the candidate. And I think, I think really, Spencer, there's kind of two extremes that people go to. There's kind of the one extreme that's kind of made up of the, you know, the, the far left, if you will, that tries to deny anything happened in 2020, dismiss it if anybody does, or define it as the big lie, the big lie, the big lie. But then there's people on the other extreme of that thing that are kind of getting a little, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist kind of person. I'm not given to those kind of things. I'm more of, with my law training. You can understand this. I'm more show me the evidence. <laughs> Don't just make a outlandish claim and, and not support it with any evidence whatsoever. Uh, and so there's people who've gone to the other extreme of denying anything happened and saying, oh, it, it was all just the push of a button. And, you know, it's like, I don't know about that. But there have now, in the last 20 months, come real, valid, legitimate concerns of, you know, not just software issues, but what I call old-fashioned fraud. There was constitutional issues. There's a whole host of them, and you really have to break them apart for people because they they kind of, you know, people have made claims Trump's really in charge with the military. I don't know if you've heard these kind of fantastical, you know, things that he's going to be reinstated. And it's like, what are you saying? I'm a constitutional, I took advanced constitutional analysis in law school. And I'm like, the Constitution doesn't work like that. You can't reinstate him. He's not even talking about being reinstated. But what everyone should want is let's fix this problem with our elections. Um, and it begins with dirty voting rolls. All right. So just to take, uh, say, the left side on that argument for a second. Left would yeah. argue there's been voter suppression. You had Jim Crow laws forever and ever. And yes. uh, therefore, uh, the, the most expansive ability for anybody to vote that you could possibly think of needs to be the standard. <laughs> is that a legitimate concern? And if so, wh- where does it get so far out of bounds that it just taints the whole process? It is a legitimate concern. France, who is very far left, just had elections and you had to show your ID. They hand counted every one of them. No software was allowed. And they had an election with no no drama, no anything, which is the way we used to do it in this country. And frankly, some of this came back with the Al Gore-George Bush election in 2000 when they did the hanging chads. That's when a lot of people thought, oh, paper's a problem. Let's move to software. And then, of course, there's a lot of money to be made there and people, you know, consulting fees and those kind of things. So to answer your question, if the far left gets their wish, kind of there, there would be nobody ever cleaning up the voter rolls. And so just if somebody's on there that's dead or has moved away – they would want non-citizens voting. So in New York City, non-citizens, 800,000 of them now can legally vote. And the citizens of New York City have to pay taxes and, and live under a government that's not even the citizens of people who live there and pay taxes in the city of New York. That's kind of what they really want. Yeah, far the cry biggest, from suppression. Exactly. The, the biggest, and here's the thing, this biggest argument of suppression was where? Georgia, Stacey Abrams, oh, they're suppressing, they're suppressing, it's horrible. Biden and Harris both went to Georgia and said, what? This is ground zero, they're suppressing votes because they wanted voter IDs. They wanted, you know, some kind of signature verification. Well, they had historic voter turnout in the primaries just two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the pandemic, the impact. Uh, was the impact of the pandemic on elections and the need to allow relaxed voting standards a one-time problem that will adjust back to normal or... Uh, it has it corrupted the electoral process. It, it, it corrupted the election process. It was a one-time 
major problem. But what happened is a lot of the far left states went, oh, wow, this is wonderful. Let's codify that. Let's permatize the COVID rules because that worked out really well for us. We can count the votes late. We can mail everybody the votes that even if they don't want to vote, and then no one's going to know who mails them back if somebody else grabs them. You saw that in the Wisconsin Gableman report where you know they had every single nursing home had right at 100% turnout. And these are patients that are mentally invalid, they aren't able, their their kids realize you didn't vote, you can't vote, you can't even talk to me. You don't even recognize who I am. There's no way you could have voted. And so someone else is voting for you. And so what they tried to do with these COVID rules, they clearly expanded them. And you know, Mark Zuckerberg, or a lot of people say Zuck Bucks, there's a documentary I watched called Rigged. Uh, I was at the private screening of that uh, when that came out. And uh, it documents how he spent that money and he used Obama's chief political strategist to put it in uh, swing state, large cities, and it's irrefutable that it influenced uh, the election. And, and their their reason, the way they got away with it was, oh, this is for, uh, you know, COVID. This is for, you know, you thought mask or, you know, hand wipes or hand sanitizer or something, but a, a tiny fraction went for that. It went for people being paid to go harvest ballots or traffic ballots, uh, and who knows what else. There's no strings Let's back up into that for a second, because that, that let's get into the issue of, of ballot harvesting a little bit, because you're okay. getting on that. Is, uh, so let, let me set the stage a little bit and then give me your comments. Because so, you, sure. you said uh, Zuckerberg is one. Some people assert that billionaires like George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg have corrupted the system by spending you know, millions of dollars to hire people in key election areas. Yes. They pay these partisans to go into neighborhoods, solicit people they think they will vote for their particular uh, view, and then they take the ballots to the polling places. Is uh, ballot harvesting a concern? It's an absolute concern. You saw it in California a couple cycles ago, 2018, where a couple of Republican Congress people, Kim was one of them in Orange County, one, and then they kept harvesting uh, ballots. And I think in California, they can do it for up to 20 days. This is one of the other big, big problems that did not get addressed at the Supreme Court, Texas versus Pennsylvania, where Pennsylvania counted 300 or 400,000 votes after the election was over. So it's inconsistent per state. Some states, you've got to get your votes in. Other states, as long as you mail it somewhere and they can keep counting it for days and days and days, then they it, it literally shifted the election. Well, that's that's a due process equal protection issue. So what most people call harvesting, let me get the language right here. What most people call harvesting is where I'm just helping other people vote. And if you stop it, you're trying to suppress the vote. Well, the problem is when you're harvesting votes, you may be harvesting votes of people who don't know they're voting, don't want to vote, didn't want to vote, you're paying people to vote, or what I think it really should be called is not vote harvesting, but vote trafficking. Because harvesting is a good thing. You plant soil, it's food, It's a harvesting should be a good word, which is where the people who want to do this try to deceive with language. Trafficking, drug trafficking, sex trafficking, ballot trafficking is where you're voting for other people who aren't real citizens, aren't registered, they didn't vote, and you're not legally allowed to. And Georgia is the classic example of this. In Georgia, you may know this already, uh, it's illegal to hold a ballot, to possess a ballot. It's a, it's a crime unless it's your ballot or a disabled family member, you can go vote for them. 
And they're literally, there's, this is in public record now. There's, there's investigations going on. There's um, even investigations of Secretary of State where a person came forward and said, look, I was one of several people and I voted for 4,200. I delivered 4,200 ballots mm-hmm. and I was paid $10 each to do it. Uh, well, that's a third of the margin of victory for the president of the United States in a critical swing state. And so it really is a massive concern. Right, let's switch over. Let's drill down on that one just for a sec. But okay, a documentary recently released called 2000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, and I'm wondering whether he moved the initial on uh, who moved the needle on election fraud. So let me give you a little background on that and comment if you would. In essence, I think, at least how I understand it, he says that uh, D'Souza and his associates obtained millions of cell phone data records to track the movements of what they believe to be ballot harvesters in key swing states in the 2020 election. And he did this to track and show that the ballot harvesters were going to and from warehouses to obtain pre-signed ballots and then bringing them to the polling places. I think you, I, I believe you interviewed one of his uh, data collectors. What's your take on all this? Yes, I know those people very, very well. So Catherine Ingebrook, I've known her for 12 years. She does voter election uh, integrity issues. And she has, she's kind of a grassroots activist. She's one of the ones who's filed some of the affidavits where she got the whistleblowers and people saying, hey, here's actually what happened. I was paid. Other people were paid to go traffic these ballots. Greg is the data scientist guy who she hired. And let me explain. I know our, most of our listeners are, I think, listening and not watching. But if you take your cell phone and you open up the map, if you're driving or walking, the map knows exactly where you are. Right. So every app on your phone you've downloaded, it's encrypted. So people get a little freaked out when they realize their phone's being tracked everywhere you go. In Carpenter, the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, Chief uh, Justice Roberts said this, when the government does surveillance by tracking cell phones, it attains near perfect surveillance, near perfect surveillance, as if they had an ankle monitor on the person that the government is tracking. Right. So this same technology is exactly, we're in the middle of the January 6 hearings. How did they indict these people? If you go read the indictments, they geofenced, geopinged the phones that went into the Capitol on January 6. Now, that's not conclusive. It's not the end of the story. It's not, you know, you're guilty beyond reasonable doubt. It just means your phone shows that it went in there. Now show us if that's not true. I like to call when the when the phone is geotracked a digital fingerprint. I think that's a simple common sense way to see it. It's a digital fingerprint. Well, in the documentary, 2000 Mules, they had the digital fingerprint. So what they did is they bought all the GOPs in five major metro areas in, in Detroit, in Philly, Atlanta, Maricopa, and so forth. Okay. And then, and then a couple areas, they started Milwaukee, they've expanded that in Wisconsin. Well, they tracked those people and they then tracked the nonprofit that were mostly funded by Zuckerbergs and others, Soros. And then they went to each of the drop boxes and they got the latitude, longitude, the exact location of the drop box. And they decided which phones are going to these nonprofits, at least five different nonprofits, and at least 20 or 30 drop boxes. Because remember, in Atlanta, it's illegal except to possess yours or someone else. They went further and took out any devices that before voting, before the Dropbox voting area, 
they were going in that area. So it would take out anybody who walks and happens to walk past all those drop boxes multiple times. And they found people. So they had the digital fingerprint. Then they did this. They did freedom of information. They get the video surveillance that matches when the phone was there and shows the same person putting multiple votes. 40% in Atlanta were between midnight and 5 a.m. And then number three, they get admissions from people who said, yeah, I was paid over $40,000 to drop 4,000 ballots during 30 days. Mm. And I'm one of 200 people just in Atlanta. So there's, it's irrefutable. You got digital, visual, and admissions. And so, and so that, for- You think that moves the needle. So, and again, because we're going, we're, we're starting with the concept of dead people vote. Some people vote twice. Did this move the needle on a significant question as to whether or not there should be further investigation into the elections? I believe it did, has, and will. I believe the 2,000 mules, in my opinion, I've, I'm familiar with, you know, Zuck Bucks clearly mattered. The COVID rules clearly mattered. There's a lot of software things I'm still investigating. I, I think there's, I was a skeptic on the whole software thing until I started talking to the data scientists and betting on my own some technology companies and software companies. And I was more of a skeptic on that until, until I saw the real evidence now, actually. But the old fashioned fraud, I call it retail fraud, the mules where you're just stuffing ballots the old fashioned way, you know. Um, absolutely, I think it's going to make a difference. And the reason is, and, and what I'm seeing now is several of these states are now being confronted with this issue. Now, remember, there's people in the Republican Party that don't want to talk about this. They want to just move on if they won their seat and they're in the establishment power and they, they want to don't talk about the past, only talk about the future. Well, the problem is you've got a real problem in the future if you don't fix the past. And the past is the best indicator of what you need to protect in the future on both parties' side. They both should be able to audit them. They both should be able to know it was a fair election, and they both should be able to know it's a secure election. Uh, and that's not happening right now. There's a significant number of people that believe they're not fair and secure. And that's across parties too, by the way, Spencer. No, well said. Uh, let me transition over. That's a good point. So what's the biggest problem right now in impeding free and fair elections in the upcoming midterm elections in November? Wow. I, I think I would say it has to start with dirty rolls. Part of the problem, and, and this is another thing that I think people go to extremes, and I kind of offend people on both extremes. Uh, big data, I own database companies um, and software companies, digital marketing companies. Big data is really complicated to keep clean. Okay. So I'm not throwing stones at somebody. Uh, and, and when data is off, it doesn't mean there was fraud. Sometimes data is off and it's a quality control problem. It's a government employee who has zero motive and zero accountability to clean those roles because no one cares about it. And the, some of the people who do care about it don't want it cleaned up. So for example, in Wisconsin, the, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin ruled that each ward, I think there's 1,816 wards, like precincts, that the Supreme Court of Wisconsin said, hey, each one of you decide if you want to clean your roles and how you want to do it. Well, that's ridiculous because now what happens is some of the more conservative wards are cleaning them. And if somebody dies, somebody moves, you know, somebody's not a citizen, somebody's a felon, anything that makes them not eligible to vote, they're going to clean them up. And then you see in the areas where the problems were, they haven't been cleaned up for a hundred years or ever. 
And so the problem is when you have those dirty rolls, you've got a lot of people that somebody else can vote for and nobody can really do anything about it. Let me stop. And that's a good point. So you're saying in some sense, you're giving people the benefit of the doubt and saying it's benign that they just don't want to clean up the rules. Is it intentional as well, where people are allowing this because it gives them latitude to conduct mischief? Of course, of course. Uh, if you if you leave the rules dirty or you say, for example, if you mail them to everybody, there's no doubt about it. That's the number one possible way for the most fraud or crimes to occur because you can't police it. When, when most people go to the vote, they're used to showing their ID they have to sign in. They have to answer questions. I do. I have to say, is this still your address? Let me inspect your driver's license to see if you're really that person. Well, when you mail them in and somebody else is filling them out for you, somebody else is delivering them for you, then you may be a citizen even. But remember, in this election, the average for the last 40 years in an off-year election is only 40% of the people vote. So if you've got dirty rolls and you can start voting for those 60% of the people that no one's really going to come back in question, you just put their ballots in, then that's a big, big problem. So to go back to your first question, what are the biggest problems we're facing? I think dirty rolls is one of them. I think the fraud issue is one of them. Now, here's the good news. There, there is some good news. 18 states have passed 33 laws last year strengthening voter integrity. Now that the Mules movie has come out, the Rigged movie has come out, there's a selection movie that's about to come out, uh, I think more and more people are waking, waking up to this. Now, the difficulty, the other difficulty is no one's covering in the mainstream media. It's, it's literally a blackout. Fox News, Newsmax, the two top conservative uh, news sources, they won't even touch or mention 2,000 Mules. Why? They not even say the word Mules. I, I think I think a maybe they're afraid of a lawsuit like they got sued with Dominion for 1.6 billion dollars. So maybe it's fear, it's their lawyers. Some people say it's you know Paul Ryan was the establishment. He's on their board at Fox News, and so he's doing it. It could be that they're they're part of <laughs> this issue. Uh, I think that's one of the things in Georgia that raises a real question. If you don't want anybody to ever see. Like in Georgia, they won't even tell how many people voted in drop boxes. They won't even answer that question. They were supposed to have videos and keep them for 22 months. Most of those far left cities deleted them in 30 days or never set them up in the first place. And so it does beg the question. I think it's a brilliant question, Spencer. Why? Why would you not want this? If it's the most fair and secure election, don't you want all the people you say are conspiracy theorists to be debunked. Well, the best way to do it is if you got nothing to hide, turn the lights on and let us all expose it. It's the identical repeat of Hunter Biden. Everybody who said that was real was a conspiracy theorist, radical idiot. And within two years, the far left, even New York Times said, oh, wow, this is real. Had that alone, forget all the things we just talked about, five different ways the election could have been different. Hunter Biden alone being suppressed, the actual truth of that being suppressed changed the election. It, when it first came out, it was 15%. Now it's over 25% of Democrats say, had I known that was real, I would not have voted for Joe Biden. That's let's, Democrats, not Republicans. All right, let's go, to, let's go to the positive side. What can the average citizen like myself or anybody do in the upcoming elections to ensure that they're fair and that they're free? 
You know, so what we did is we built a tool that every person in the country can use. It's really, really simple. You can text the word FAIR to 80550, FAIR to, to 80550, and it will automatically show you electionintegrity.vote. What we did, everybody wants to solve the problems and wait on the next presidential election or wait on the federal government. They tried to pass HR1. They couldn't do it because they wouldn't break the filibuster rule. Uh, well, they're not going to fix this at the federal level. The federal level, the Democrats and Republicans almost never, there's literally two Democrats that deviate uh, from, from their party and two or three Republicans that deviate from their party. Where does this get fixed and what is this? It's a state right issue. The Constitution says the states shall enact the laws that govern the elections. So what's happening is the state senator and state house member is who you need. So every listener out there, the most powerful voice you have is by contacting your state rep and your state legislature. The problem is a lot of people get confused with that. It's not, you know, the main way things work. So we built a tool. It's free, cost them nothing. There are 7,383 state reps and state senators that you can contact. If you put your name and address in, we show you who it is. And then every month we send you an email and we say, hey, here's your state senator. Here's your state rep. Here's And if it's your attorney general, secretary of state, governor, or lieutenant governor, if they have something to do with election integrity, we also then send it to them. Now, if people, there's a lot of people, me included, that are too busy. I don't want to find a stamp and an envelope and all that. They can make a small donation and we'll be their secretary. It's not from us. It's not a petition. We'll send the letter from you to your state rep with your return address, your phone number, and it never has our name on it. All right, just, to be, fair, just to be fair on this, so this, is, this isn't a, a, a different version of ballot harvesting because people are coming to you. You're not coming to them, correct? That's right. They're coming to me. But here's the thing. We're not voting for anybody. We're not harvesting anybody's ballots. We're using our voices. So my big passion is if every one of your listeners... Um, were to realize that it only takes 10 or 15 voters in a district of a state rep for that state rep to feel like, you know, his house is on fire because they never get contacted. Well, let's say you live in one of these states we just talked about, Arizona, Wisconsin, anywhere in the country. You should all care about it, right? Well, if you just contact them, if you do an email, they can, you know, kind of flood it into the, you know, they can automate, put it in a dump box, a spam filter, whatever. But if you send them a letter or you make a phone call, they have to deal with you. They have to respond to you. And somebody's now got to process that. So we show you what to say. We don't get nasty and ugly. We just say, hey, look, we appreciate your service. We're, we're a voter in your district and we're paying attention and we're telling all our friends, I want to know what you're going to do to make sure we have fair elections, secure elections. And each month, it may be a different focus. We may focus on software one month, you know, ballot harvesting one month, mail-in ballot, clean the voter rolls, you know, whatever's going on. We help them use their voice in a strategic way to a strategic person at a strategic time. And that's where I believe the greatest change can happen. It's very practical. Took us last year. I knew the Mules movie was going to come out. And one of the things people get frustrated about is, well, yeah, I know it's there and I'm frustrated, but what do I do about it? Well, the best thing you can do is change the state laws so that in 2022, we get better, you know, you want to vote too. Those are the two things you do want to do. You want to show up and vote, 
for whoever's the most election integrity minded person, but then you want to try to whoever's in your uh, state rep position, you want to try to change their uh, or put pressure on them to do the right thing and give us better laws. And that's where everything changes. Remember, this is a long game. You're not going to fix this all. You know, this has been voter integrity has been a mess for decades. People have always talked about Philly and Detroit and, you know, whatever. Uh, and they, it's just baked in and everybody moves on. Uh, but it's time to deal with this. And Trump, with all whether you love him, hate him, all his flaws, the one thing about him, he's not going to stop fighting about this issue. Uh, and that's going to be the issue that I think makes the difference. Because, you know, in 10 years from now, Spencer, 2030, we don't know if we're going to be here, but we want our kids, our grandkids, we want the citizens who live here to know that when you vote, it actually matters. I it's totally, not being stolen. It's not being totally rigged. Totally agree with it's, that. Yeah. Let me ask you a question again, or actually, let me just give you the opportunity. Tell my listeners again, how can they contact you uh, at your Okay. The easiest way is just text the word FAIR to 80550. Text the word FAIR to 80550. When they do that, we'll send them the link. It's electionintegrity.vote if they'd rather just go to the website, uh, electionintegrity.vote. They can go there. They can see how this works. If they just want to learn more, they can click the button to learn more. If they're ready to use their voice, they do it, and then they get the free option if they want us to just let them send the letter. And we ask them, you know, white out your name and address, but send us your letters. And we've had over 15,000 people just in the last couple of months when we first launched this at the first of this year already sign up all across the country. It's been exciting to see. For me, my my passion is to be a megaphone and for the people to realize they're the heroes. Quit waiting on Brother Wonderful or Sister Wonderful to run for the next office or president or Senate. You are this. I remember Ronald Reagan saying, we need citizen legislatures, you know, and I thought, wow, this mules thing is like citizen investigators, right? It's the citizens that are the hope of this country. And these people work for us and we forget that. We, you know, a lot of people don't even vote, or if they do vote, they think, oh, they're just all a bunch of crooks. Well, guess what? We can change that. You can go run for office. You can get behind people, but you can uh, use your voice in a very practical way. Well said. Appreciate that. All right. Coming in for a landing now, give uh, give my listeners some hope that things will get uh, better. And anything you want to say about your millionvoices.org uh, organization, love to hear. Yes. It. Yes. We actually, we actually have, I'm very optimistic. I see people waking up. It's been hard to get them to wake up because they're so distracted on other things. But because the administration that we live under now for the last two years, the policies are so bad, people are really, really waking up. And my hope, I think I get excited because I see the states finally changing some of the laws, but I see all these people that sign up for us. We've had over 30,000 sign up for millionvoices.org. It includes election integrity, but it also includes issues on guns, on pro-life, on religious freedom, on poverty, on a whole bunch of you know other issues uh, that people are concerned about, crime, uh, the whole you know, CRT, all that kind of stuff. And then we do the same exact tool there for people to, to use their voice, but not just on one issue. They can use it. They, they pick their issues on million voices. You can do that one too. Your listeners, if you want to do that one, they can type MV to 80550 or just go to millionvoices.org. And if they do that, they can pick several issues. And when they pick the issue, then we rotate through. So you may care about election integrity, but you may also care about life or Second Amendment or, or some of the other key issues. And so I'm, I think I'm optimistic. 
I don't know. I'm an optimistic person, but I think I just got back from an event in Georgia. We had, you know, I think a thousand people almost in person and over 3000 signed up online. Uh, and I'm, I'm optimistic because I see people finally waking up and sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. And, and uh, I just still have hope in people. I, I meet too many good people, Spencer, around the country. Uh, I travel a good bit and I just still, I still see people, they're frustrated. I'm frustrated. I get it. But what do we do with that frustration? Let's do something constructive and positive with it. Well said. I'm going to be going out. We do, we do uh, my wife and I take a road trip every year. We do, we do the same thing. We take a microphone out. And we ask the everyday person, you know, what awesome. can you, what do you want to see happen to change things for the better? Always awesome. amazed. And no matter yes. what the uh, political affiliation, there are people who have hope and a lot of good That's people. Right. That's right. And, and I think people are much more sophisticated than we live in a country that has a two-party political system. But if you talk to people, they, they, they care about a lot more than just the party. They, they care about the issues. They care about other people. They care about the country. They care about their kids. Uh, and that's why I think you're going to see a tsunami election this November. Yeah, I hope so. Anyway, I appreciate talking to you. You're very you're passionate and articulate and uh, appreciate you spending the time with me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're appreciate welcome. It. Thank you for listening to Sheer Law Group's podcast, Truth Serum, law, real estate, and everything else that matters. For more on the law, go to www.shearlawgroup.com or contact Spencer or Joshua Shear. For more info on real estate, see your real estate broker or agent. Don't forget to mow your lawn, trim your hedges, and pay your mortgage. For more information on everything else that matters, Read good books, cultivate good friends that you can share ideas with, pray often, and do not place your hopes in governmental institutions. Write Spencer Shear if you want to argue the points made in this podcast. Finally, this podcast cannot be relied on as legal advice, and SLG disclaims any responsibility for the ideas presented. See an attorney if you have issues or problems related to the subjects mentioned in this podcast. Adios, amigos.